again, why are you doing it? Why are you unlocking that value? Why do you want to do that? And in many cases, many brands, many associations, whether it's a specific individual athlete could have a DAO, a team could have a DAO, MLB could have a DAO, right? These are all components that for various reasons, you know, you may be a part of all three or, or multiple that exist within that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and you're listening and watching another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show, powered by Waxman, where twice a week together, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders, OGs, those are incubating, building, everything that we're using now, everything that we're collecting, everything that we're having fun with, our culture from Board Ape Yacht Clubs to Cool Cats to MetaMask and everything in between. I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Mike Kriak. Michael, can I call you Mike, actually? Sure, yeah. Mike's great. Thanks. Mike, you've been a technology operator forever, Consensus Mesh. Uh, you're also a Tony Award-winning Broadway producer, a board director to several organizations. Shit, so many different projects and companies have come out of Consensus and Consensus Mesh going back to 2015. You have, of course, one of my, one of my favorite companies, Decrypt, that spun out of you guys. You have Gitcoin such a cool Starkware, Gnosis, Tribute Labs. I'm just like MetaMask. Of course, we're probably using it right now. Half of us are probably fiddling with our MetaMask as we're listening to the show. But Mike, thank you so much for coming. And I, there's so much to talk about. You're on your way to, uh, you have ETH Denver going on right now over, over the next few days. You know, the rest of the world, it seems like is in this like oddly bearish macro the media tells us recession's coming. Are we in a recession right now? A double dip? No one even knows what these terms mean. But at the end of the day, we're waking up every day. We're going to work. We're having fun. And we're getting involved in crypto. And it seemed like a lot of the crap that was in the space last year, the tides are finally like being washed away. So I'm really excited to talk to you, Mike, about kind of the now that those tides have washed away, the new tides, the patterns, the trends, the currents, if you will. Wow, I'm on a water roll today with my analogies. Uh, I want to know what you're seeing. I, I don't want to know what stuff is being built from like the Series A onwards front. I want to know what's being incubated right now. What are What is exciting you? What are you looking forward to seeing next week? And good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks so much for having me. By the way, fantastic job on listing a, a lot of our hits. Pretty great. You certainly have done your homework here. We could probably spend a half hour, 45 minutes together on each one of those companies. It's quite, it's quite interesting. Um, you, you know, at Consensus Mesh, we're pretty fortunate uh, given the powerful network that we've created over the years of individual founders, uh, individual builders, uh, who we continue to work with to build out the entire uh, Ethereum and, and extended ecosystem. Sure. Uh, it's an incredible time to build. I think you know that uh, bear markets are incredible time to, to work through that. Um, I'm most excited about uh, the edge of the edge. You know, at, at Consensus Mesh, we take a look at uh, accelerating and, and incubating and investing in Web3 technologies that really are focused on the edge of the edge. And what we mean by that is, is things that you're probably only hearing about uh, and not uh, working directly with right now. There's many, many components um, to decentralized identity, to reputation, uh, DAO structures, DAO tooling. I, I would say that you know how DAOs operate have gone through many different iterations, and they continue to do so. You mentioned Gitcoin. 
you know, really fantastic. One of the DAOs that I think has been quite successful um, in engaging the community, enabling its stewards. Um, but even there, you need to continue to refine how you actually build in a decentralized manner. That's no easy task to coordinate, but that component ends up being something that makes it incredibly uh, exciting because you know the, the work isn't done. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about DAOs. I'd love to talk about identity systems and reputation. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know the other component, uh, I know you had mentioned saying uh, not Series A, but you know a lot of the work that we're doing with the investment that we made in Candy uh, along with Galaxy Digital is actually bringing uh, Web 2 and Web 2.5 organizations and associations like Major League Baseball, WWE, Getty Images, and others into a more Web 3 environment. Um, and that's no easy task, right? There's a lot of individuals. What, what does the individual fan communities know? How do they operate? Uh, that's, that's a really core interest to us. You know, I, I kind of look at it as like a top-down, bottoms-up. So many of the projects that you even mentioned at the top there, right, whether it's Board Ape or uh, Artblocks or others, these are, you know, Web3 native projects, ones that are, you know, born and created by individuals that have worked in the space for several years. How do you actually bring and unlock that value to individuals that exist uh, that are just everyday baseball fans or everyday wrestle fans? So, like, these are things that, you know, you have to think about. That's almost like... It's not just in the sports industry. It's also in film and entertainment. It's, it's any content creator like myself. It's, it's really everyone who wants to have a relationship with their customer or their user. And so this whole dynamic of, of having the token, you have this identity. And, and I, I really don't like using the term token anymore. And I hope this year we come up with like a new term. Because unfortunately, when I try to, to teach people or explain how this future identity, how we'll be able to, for example, hold our identity, or there's so much bigger meaning than, than an NFT than just holding it in a, in a wallet or having a, a dumb token, if you will, of like the old days, those tokens where you would have billions of being released. There's such a difference now and everything is changing. I mean, you mentioned identity a few times. How are you seeing that? Uh, how are you seeing that like section of our industry flourishing in, in the next few months? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just to comment that on that point, I think you're right in the sense that very early on, we packed too many things into the word token, right? We, we looked to represent perhaps a way in which uh, financial value was exchanged between two individuals. We looked at governance structures. We looked at edit being a representation of a unique digital asset, right? All of these, sure, there's been a lot of different standards that represent those, but particularly um, the representation of uh, you know, a token that can say, hey, look, you know, I have this expertise or, you know, I've done, done this course or, or I've actually like worked to grow and build uh, a community or I've donated a grant or I've done all of these kind of small micro transactions that could be represented by the, the term NFT or a 721 token can actually end up being something that collectively represents who you are as an individual. There's, a, there's an emerging thesis that I, I think we're pretty excited about around the fact that you know, many brands that are looking to receive first-party data, looking to have a direct relationship, whether this is Starbucks or Budweiser or, um, or, or Nike, you name it. And so right now, tokens can actually represent you know, an action that was done. And so when you look collectively at the wallet uh, as an individual, 
you're beginning to create a profile of a person, right? We all have our profiles in each of our individual wallets. Um, how you go about determining and, and representing that as an individual also requires uh, thoughts about privacy. Um, so there's a lot of technology around zero knowledge that helps kind of ensure that the individual is actually continues to have the sovereignty of their data, um, but still then can properly represent to individuals they choose to do so in a way that uh, enables a, a direct relationship. That unlocks a whole lot of value, not only for the brands, but it unlocks value for the individuals as well. That, that to me is one of the most powerful um, prospects that we see around, you know, quote unquote, loyalty programs um, and, and that direct relationship. That's incredibly powerful for any media company. It's incredibly powerful for any brand or any advertiser. Um, and that, from a, as you mentioned, a media sports entertainment perspective, the gatekeepers that exist at the moment, whether they be ticketing agents uh, or uh, any other third-party platforms, social platforms, the value has accrued to those platforms as opposed to the direct relationship between the brand and the fan. That's something we want to focus on around the individual, but we have to hold true to those notions of uh, self-sovereignty and ownership of data in that way. That's a core tenant and feature of Web3. Um, and it can be it can be tempting to replicate uh, or repeat, unfortunately, a lot of the systems and challenges and kind of original sins that exist in uh, the first version of the internet. You know that that was the issue, right? Uh, you know, uh, Joe Lubin, our our founder and chairman, was speaking a lot uh, to a group of individuals yesterday, and he was he was representing the fact that it was the internet's kind of a big mall that actually abstracts and sometimes in a very antagonistic way to sell you or to incentivize you to do something, but they pull that value from you. We need to change that based upon some of the systems that I just spoke about. There's so much to unpack there. And one of the things that's, that I've been excited about over the last year and a half is, is the Gitcoin project. And I know that, that you're on the board there and you're very involved in that. And part of the Gitcoin project has, you have the Gitcoin passport. And so going back a second, the internet was was founded and built on a lot of this, uh, on a lot of open source software and a lot of corporations, people coming in and building out different sections of this big ball. And it's funny because I thought you were going to end off saying it's like it somehow works, right? Don't you feel that way? It's like somehow the internet is just an amalgamation of different modules and different entities and just all these things that were built on top of each other over time. And finally, we have an ability to like, look at it from the outside view and, and build really cool things, but better. And, and so you have, I, I, you know, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say it actually works. I, I think, you know, I think the development and the iterations and um, are, are super fascinating. And yes, there's been a lot of good that's been created, but it's fundamentally getting worse. And I'm definitely a super optimistic individual. So I, I'm not, it, it's in some ways it's easy to say what I'm saying, but you know, the reality is, is that misinformation continues to proliferate um, and that ability to abstract value from creators. Um, and I saw that, I saw that firsthand, right? I, when I was COO at Mashable, you had a situation where multiple platforms were requiring highly specialized content that was very expensive to create and produce on the promise of distribution. But what was happening was, is not only was those platforms pulling the value from the creators of content, which was us, changing the business models for how that was represented, whether it was ad-based or fixed fee, but all of the first-party data around the individuals that were consuming that content. That, that fundamentally doesn't work. 
right? That fundamentally enables rent seekers to exist uh, on those platforms. And they're incentivized to continue to grow and produce more content, more information, which is which is obviously a lot of the challenges that we create. Now, you know, beautiful, wonderful things like AI that are going to create and develop components around uh, more more precise and making it easier. But there has to be a way to ensure that individuals continue to be incentivized for the work they do, that creators are incentivized. And that's what you did with Gitcoin. And the same thing with like a, a potential Mashable. I loved Mashable back back in the day, by the way. Yeah. I like read the shit yeah. out of it every single day. It was like the only place you'd go. I ran a little startup back in a deal a day site before Woot launched called dailycheckout.com. You may have like written about us and that's what helped us, you know, get a lot of customers and launch. I was in college and that was like my first startup. So, you know, 15 years later, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Gitcoin. I'd love to, I'd love to talk about Passport if you're, if you're interested. I'm just excited that what you're touching on is this ability for taking possession of the content that we put into this internet thing that we call. And so whatever, it's like a web three, whatever I'm doing, whatever you're doing, now we have the ability for us to like hold on to that and earn royalties from it, whether it's like, you know, drawing up an NFT and releasing it or with Gitcoin writing code and being able to get paid for that. And at the same time, you have DAOs that can now allocate treasuries for real things with transparency. I mean, what is Candy Digital? Um, yeah, so so a couple of things. Uh, just real quick to mention on, on Gitcoin, because I think it's an important point to tie to what, what you were what you were saying. You know, right now, the reputation systems that exist um, to represent an individual do, re- do rely on some of the Web2 components uh, for authentication of the individual, right? Given the fact that at Gitcoin, you have that opportunity to uh. be paid for the code that you design and develop, um, you know, ends up being something that, uh, you know, you can get bad actors that are involved there. So, so we're in process and in transition, right? We don't have those full systems in place. But, but Gitcoin Passport is one of those first uh, and I think one of the leading at the moment reputation systems to 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 represent the human in a way for the work that they've done and or how they've contributed for you know either applying for a grant or participating in a grant for voting for uh, work to be done um, and and that's a really fantastic use case so I, I really appreciate you you raising that up um, yeah. Uh, happy to go into to Candy uh, if you have any other any other thoughts around uh, Gitcoin first. I love DAOs as it come when it comes to to something like Gitcoin, and I fully understand how that would work and and how the different players involved. What I what I want to learn more is about DAOs that are not in the tech space, and it seems like you're doing a lot of the work and incubating a lot of the projects that are looking not you know away from that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. So. There are several different types of DAOs, right? There are investment DAOs. A lot of what Tribute that you mentioned has done a remarkable job in convening individuals that have deep knowledge and expertise in various aspects of uh, of, of investments have enabled a way for those individuals to collectively pull together their capital and power the decision-making around what investments to make. That mechanism in and of itself um, is is quite phenomenal, right? It's all about convening communities, so nice. which I think is incredibly cons- consistent in relation to any of the, uh, you know, cons- consistent to any uh, DAOs that exist. 
Um, so you have those investment DAOs. Um, you have you know public good DAOs like Bitcoin that actually are specifically designed to build. Um, you know these are product or service DAOs, right? They're providing they're providing a service, you know, utilizing certain technology, um, and how that grows and develops, you know, from a decentralized standpoint. Um, you know, you're kind of building it as it goes along, which is which is what Bitcoin is doing. I think the the most challenging component is is what you had mentioned a moment ago in relation to candy, right? You know, it's it's difficult. You have to kind of abstract away all of these terms, whereas the autonomous yeah. organization it yeah. doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't have to mean anything. What you want to do is convene fans and community together. And empower them in a way for based upon by based upon what they want or or what they like, and that that reality is something that is uh, that is quite uh, quite powerful, and where myself and my colleague Sean Chang spend a lot of time working on with the Candy team is to learn. You know that team is remarkably Web three. They're very excited about whether it's through ticketing and loyalty programs or fan engagement or IRL events. You're convening things in a way that that produces something quite quite exciting. I'm really excited that this podcast, The Charlie Shrem Show, is now powered by Waxman. I think I met the CEO, David Waxman, back in 2015 or something at an Ethereum meetup, and he told me that the future belongs to the fearless. And that is why they are producing the show right by my side. What an amazing team we have now. It's so amazing. You guys have been hearing some great updates, have been following along. If you don't know, Waxman is the leading global strategy and communications firm advising the next generation of companies in Web3, disruptive technology, Bitcoin, crypto, fintech, artificial intelligence, and venture capital. Waxman's clients are ambitious leaders and businesses that are on the frontier of this whole new economy because they really do believe that the future belongs to us and we're the ones building it with services across everything from digital marketing, public relations, social media, investor relations, financial communications, recruiting, and public affairs. They're helping companies and individuals like myself seize the business opportunities that we deserve, overcome challenges that we all are going to face and achieve sustained success. Head over to Waxman to learn more. You guys are going to love them. We have them in the show notes. Check it all out. It's W-A-C-H-S-M-A-N.com. That's W-A-C-H-S-M-A-N.com. There's a few like local organizations that I feel like would be great potential for DAOs. So DAOs have already existed for decades then in that sense. Like you have my, my friend's local Ferrari club where everyone who owns a Ferrari and they come together and they look at their cars and they figure out how to maintain each other's cars, but they're just Ferrari enthusiasts and, and love to hang out together because there are common bonds there. That would be like a very low latency DAO, nothing really going on. But then you have your different type of organizations that, that could be voting blocks but you're getting together with a common goal. So I, I, I'd love to see stuff like that. Imagine like a homeowner's organization becoming a DAO. That'd just be crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, we all have these uh, interlocking concentric uh, circles that represent who we are for, for what we love to do, how we represent ourselves, you know, what, what financial uh, representation that we have and, and ownership in various aspects. And the question there is, is not to over-engineer it, as you say, right? These are components, but 
again, why are you doing it? Why are you unlocking that value? Why do you want to do that? And in many cases, many brands, many associations, whether it's a specific individual athlete could have a DAO, a team could have a DAO, MLB could have a DAO, right? These are all components that for various reasons, you know, you may be a part of all three or, or multiple that exist within that. And as you say, right now, we're just so at the at the start of this, right? Right now, it's only through Discord that we end up convening. Um, I think some of the early components of what were referred to as social tokens, I think were very early ways in which individual musicians or artists were convening their communities, right? If you remember, Rack uh, uh, had the RAC token, and that through Discord, he enabled, you know, he's a, a Grammy Award winning uh, musician. He was able to unlock, you know, IRL events, gate token gating access to being able to work through uh, IRL events, merchandise, um, and or ways of tipping or rewarding. Um, you see this with uh, Rug Radio as well. So, um, you know, you may have seen uh, Consensus Mesh believes significantly in that DAO and uh, participates in that DAO by holding 200 of the Rug NFT tokens to actively vote within there. Um, but convening a community uh, but that Farouk and, and uh, Locks have done is fantastic. If you listen to, speaking of talk radio, if you listen to talk radio and you listen to the GM Web3 show every morning, you can earn loyalty rug tokens. Um, and Farouk gives out the code sometime during the, the chat. This is the coolest thing ever. This is rug radio. This is so cool. So you have, a, you have like a radio DAO, but like, I just want to take a quote from your website here. It's like, Ownership means we get to each decide what we consume, how it's delivered, and we all benefit from the abundance created through it. I mean, I feel like that's my life motto. Thankfully, the company Waxman that, that I work with that helps me produce this show, but without them, I mean, it's, it's hard being on your own as a podcaster, as a radio host. And at the same time, advertisers come in, as we saw over the last three years, and a lot of the podcasts, unfortunately, we don't know how to do due diligence, and half of the podcasts are sponsored by FTX. It's, it's just a very hard world where we, need, we have multiple staff working here, but we need to also pay them, but we also want to be independent. Podcasts are the last independent media. We're the only ones that don't get influence. We don't get the emails from the journalists every single day, half the time where you know in some of these mainstream media, the articles are written by those who pay for them. It's just, it's just despicable. And so what you guys are doing here with this decentralized media platform, it really hits home with me here. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, you should definitely spend some time and, and continue to look through it and, you know, drop it in the show notes as well. To me, it's one of the best representations of what a decentralized media company can be. Um, but again, these are all things that exist, right? Talk radio, you have a component of how do you how do you engage your fans consistently? How do you represent them as the DAO? Um, you do that through through loyalty programs. You do that through uh, releasing projects that give them access. Um, and you know there are no new ways to to run a media company. It's either sponsorships, it's advertising, um, or you know unfortunately collecting data and monetizing that data yeah. from individuals. Um, and so the question is, right? How do you not how do you not antagonize? How do you empower your community of listeners? Because they are the media company. And, and that's what Farouk and the team try to do in relation to the, the DAO itself. This is so cool. 
I'm just playing yeah. around See, with there's, it. <laughs> there's like, yeah, you definitely gotta, you definitely gotta check it out. But like that to me is, is another type of DAO, right? We were, you go through each of these components, right? These are, um, you know, you can utilize that structure as a, as an organizing principle. Um, and that's all you really need to do. That's only the start of it. Um, and so for us, you know, what's fascinating at Consensus Mesh, and we have the, uh, we have the privilege of being able to work and create in those structures, um, to invest in those structures, just, just based upon, you know, our, our founder and chairman, Joe. And, and so, you know, being able to empower, um, so it's, it's, building and it's creating and it's participating. Um, a lot of times the investment DAOs uh, and the DAOs that we invest in, the human capital that we contribute as well is, is asymmetrical to the dollar amount, where typically you would make an investment as a traditional uh, fund and you know you would have certain levels of, of partic- participation, you know, board meetings, whatever, maybe help with hiring. But for us, you actually have to build alongside of these founders that that to me is one of the most rewarding aspects of of our collective jobs um, there because it's it's not only investing for financial reasons you're actually helping to utilize and create these structures because if it's not us who else would it be that's a very great comment what you just said if it's not us who else would it be because you know going back through the history most people don't know that consensus was founded by you mentioned Joe Lubin a few times you know one of the godfathers of crypto, and he co-founded Ethereum. And with, with Mesh, you have four components, investment, incubation, research, development, and acceleration. Well, there's a, there's a fifth one. But what was really cool about going back to those years, I remember when, when Ethereum was launched, Joe really said to himself, if not me, then who? Creating this accelerator program, creating, you know, at first, I mean, it was the big office spaces in Brooklyn and and basically, Joe was saying, anyone who wants to contribute and build to the fundamental part of the Ethereum virtual machine, we're here and we're ready to help and we're ready to grow. But I didn't realize over the years how you guys grew it into this true tried and tested machine of processes where you just can spit out core components of not just infrastructure for Ethereum, but for all of Web3 now. It's so cool. It's like, how many people now are part of like the Mesh ecosystem? Not only, so you have like, thousands of founders, builders, and all the people that work for the companies, but how many people work for the, for the company itself? Well, it, it's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is truly the definition of what the mesh is. It, it's, a, it's a really important point um, because these structures and these creations that were incubated and started, sure, represented fully owned uh, projects that spun out, that found third-party capital and continue to grow, they're, they're independent entities from the standpoint, from a legal standpoint, but that network of founders um, represent what the mesh is today and, and those individuals because they continue to grow and development and, and build. Um, you know, we use the example of a project uh, uh, very early on called Civil that was solving and looking to do some of the iterations around you know, early creations of DAOs and early creations of, of what a decentralized media company could look like. And it, it, it didn't work. And that's okay, right? But the building of that and the institutional knowledge is what created and, and founded and developed and iterated into what, what Rug Radio is. And so 
you have to recognize the fact that these might not be the same, you know, the same individuals within each of these companies, but the ideas and the concepts are connected and, and, and interconnected to individuals so that you, you literally have thousands of individuals that, that work through that. Um, that, that is a, that's a, a really core component. Um, but then you also have projects like you mentioned MetaMask, uh, Infura, some of the core infrastructure. That's actually the largest project that we spun out, which was uh, Consensus Software Inc. And at the time, five to 600 individuals left Consensus Mesh in that way to create that entity um, that continues to build and be at the core of, of how you build on Ethereum. So that is part of Consensus Mesh, right? Those components are really important to recognize in relation to what that definition of Mesh is. Without Infura, you couldn't do RPC over Ethereum. I mean, you're talking about building out the actual infrastructure. You're talking about like now it, Infura probably has billions and billions of relays a year uh, that, that it's done over the last, you know, since, since its inception. So this is the most important infrastructure here. But what's really cool is that being able to, to, to call a blockchain and interact with that, the concept of like RPC now that you mentioned in Fura, I'm just using that one example. That is such a core component of what the future Web3 that we're building out will need. But before we didn't have the ability to do it in even a decentralized way, or even remotely in, in any mechanism beforehand. And so now... That's what really excites me. It's building out that infrastructure, not just for crypto, but for everyone else. And in the future, five or 10 years from now, maybe 15 or whatever it is, every aspect of the internet as we know it will probably touch crypto in some way. And you won't, you won't be able to hide from it. You'll have to be, it's like someone who 30 years ago said, you know what? I'm not gonna get involved in this tech world. I'm not gonna get involved in the internet. I'm not gonna figure out how computers work or cell phones work. Well, 20 or 30 years later, where are those people now? They're, they're handicapped, not physically, but they can't participate, especially in the best and best and best of ways in the world as we know it today. So if you don't understand crypto now, if you don't take the time to leave a review for this episode, thank you, I'd have to plug my show there, then you won't understand and you won't be able to take part in the future world of tomorrow. You won't be able to enjoy it like the youngsters will be able to because they're going to be born with crypto. There are kids being born today that don't even know a world pre-Bitcoin. They don't know a world pre-Ethereum. Joe Lubin, Vitalik, ingrained in, in their heads. So if we don't take the time to understand these things, no one's going to teach it to us. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, it's, it's super fascinating. We, we are that generation where it, is a, it, it, where it is clunky, where we are making that sea shift. Um, what you just said was actually uh, the same conversation that Joe had had. He literally said the same thing. You know, that next generation, those individuals, it's going to be incredibly native. But it's our job, again, if not us who, to create and develop that. So like, how do you work with MetaMask Learn, which is a consumer way of understanding the basic core fundamentals of self-sovereignty, of custodied assets, where you you self-custody of those assets. But how do you explain that in a way to somebody for the first time, right? How do you actually explain that to a new DAO that's created around a, a sports yeah. team, right? These, these connections are what make the mesh what it is. And those components are, are fundamental to that continual recycling of individual ideas, concepts, right? Many of these first concepts around NFTs 
uh, for music, you know, came out of a project called Ujo, uh, which was one of the first projects I worked on five years ago uh, when I joined Consensus. And that 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 reality is something that you know there's no ownership of that as a concept. But you what you have to do is learn from and think through. And be able to recognize how it can be useful again and come back around, just as the example I used with someone on radio. And that isn't going to be the end of it either, right? The, that's what's so exciting about the potential here because of the fact that you, you see these, these components getting reconfigured in a way um, that represent the ultimate outcome, uh, again, around empowering creators and individuals to work directly with each other. What's the morale like in the industry right now, from your perspective, from the founders and developers, and then from the outside, like when you talk to people who are not working in the industry or who are like checking in on you, what's morale look like right now? Have we recovered trust? Is it still scary, you know, scary out there to say that you work in crypto? Uh, no, I don't think it's ever scary to say that. <laughs> I honestly, I think, I think, you know, there is this emerging concept of, of money crypto versus tech crypto or, or social crypto. Ooh. And I think, you know, we fortunately deeply believe in the power of decentralized systems, um, particularly around decentralized finance and DeFi. So all of the challenges in this, you know, centralized DeFi or CDFI or CFI, these components that had bad actors, um, of course, reputationally, it, it impacts us. But you know, for for us, particularly within you know the the consensus mesh ecosystem that focuses on empowering those decentralized systems, um, there's been a, no better time to build. There's been no better time to participate and, and work through and iterate on a lot of the themes that we spoke about today. So it's continues to be incredibly aspirational and and inspiring to be able to to work in this field. How do you guys, how do you guys like, what do you guys look for in, in founders? I mean, you have folks coming through, you have a, an accelerator program, people have really good ideas. It just seems like you guys are like the Ivy League institution uh, when it comes to these programs and being able to launch a company, especially the Shining City on the Hill. Is there any, what do you look for in a founder? Yeah, it, it's an excellent question. Uh, you know, there's always there's always the ideal <laughs> the ideal mix, right? Uh, that, that probably doesn't come as as much of a surprise, right? These are typically technical founders, individuals that that deeply believe in building, um, but that also have to have a fundamental entrepreneurial streak, right? Sure. They may not know that either, or they may not classify themselves as that. Um, but there's a, there's an inherent desire to to change. Um, and and or if you're purely technical as a founder, you know you you build a great team around you, and we help them do that. So it's it's a mix of uh, deep technical expertise, ideation, uh, but that that core principle of of wanting to make a change in in that system and why I think it is probably one of the the key aspects. Um, but again, I go back to what we spoke about, where the human capital we contribute from within the mesh. Um, is a lot deeper and a, and a lot more consistent through the the build, um, and it's not it's not us. It's not that we have this like massive, you know, deep create expertise in a way that uh, you know many many in this in, in this industry do. 
but it's it's connecting those dots. It's connecting the right people together. It's it's a it's a passion that you share with those founders equally that I think separates uh, uh, you know what I think traditional investment typically looks like. How do you is you know building out some of these these companies? It's like you have to go through such rigor and stress, and then and then launch them, and at the same time you also have to be on it all the time. You came from a you came from like the Broadway world. You've produced two shows. And what I didn't know about, about that world is that you almost can look at, at, at every, every person who participates in the production of a show is like a different cog in a machine, but they all have to be hyper, hyper active and work super hard. And, and it has to be a hyper well-oiled machine. You have like, what, eight shows a week that you guys plan? So, so people literally give up their lives for, for months at a time to do something that they love, but it's like very rigorous. It's, it's literally like working in, in our space. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. You know, but <laughs> this is where these things are remarkably consistent, right? You know, a Broadway show is a media company, right? full stop, right? It's just that the content is live versus written or video. Um, there are components of audience building and audience development. Um, and there are, you know, business models. There are P&Ls that, that seek to operate. So that was like a very natural uh, with in and among Smashable. Um, but you're right in the in the same way. You know, there's a couple ideas around the Broadway DAO that a few of us have been uh, tinkering with. Um, because even there, you have a component of, you know, are all of the actors, are all of the creators receiving their fair, equitable stake in a dynamic, content creation way i think you know you know entertainment is a hitch driven business and and media uh, and, and broadway shows and live theater is, is, is exactly the same you know you have to be able to have outsized returns on one or two hits to be able to fund you know the nine out of ten that don't and so it's an interesting challenge to ensure a more dynamic and equitable way um, because there's a lot of indications around the creators themselves, uh, not only those who make these stories, but the actors and the people that work on a daily basis. Um, there's other ways to to create uh, in, in a more traditional way. There's ways to remove, um, you know, third party agents, ticketing agents, etc. So even those applications look remarkably similar to, similar to some of the DAOs that uh, that, that we have. Um, by the way, uh, for, for you have a chance to have Eve, I very happy to have be the first person in my bio to mention uh, blockchain and, and Ethereum uh, in a playbill. So uh, I think I think that's uh, that's oh, true. that's so cool. Um, but yeah, I know. I was like, yeah, we got to get that in there. So let's let's make it happen. You have copies of that because it'll eventually be in like we we'll, we're going to do like a crypto museum eventually. You know, traveling <laughs> one or something oh, yeah. like that. Oh yeah, I got got plenty of uh, copies of those playbills for sure. Well, Mike, you, in in forty minutes, you've you've taught us so much and and gave us direction about everything that we need to know, especially when it comes to those five tenants that you guys follow. Appreciate you coming on the show today. Consensus Mesh, everyone will drop everything that we talked about today. We'll drop them in the show notes. Folks can check it out. I highly encourage people to follow you on Twitter, which I, I just started doing, but I'm already falling down the rabbit hole of, of every project that you're involved in. So we'll drop that in the show note too. But what is your Twitter? Uh, so it's M-Kriak, M-K-R-I-A-K. So at M-Kriak. 
but thank you so much for having me. It's been really fantastic. Love the questions. Love the deep insights that you're bringing to the space. And and thanks for uh, for bringing everyone along this journey. Talk to you soon. 